0: Go with me, please. Once again to the book of Isaiah chapter 43, the Lord began talking to us at the very first of this year. So just a couple of weeks ago and setting the tone and setting the expectation for us for 2024 and beyond. And we believe we have a word from God that we can build our lives on this year. He said to us 2024 will be a year like never before. Anybody else remember that? Anybody else believe that? Take a look up here. We've got it on the screen for you. 2024, a year like never before. Now the Lord spoke to us by the Spirit of God and through scriptures we'll look at again today and is making clear to us what our part is in that. You got to cooperate with the word of the Lord. He said to us, expect the uncommon. He said, embrace the unfamiliar and you will encounter the unimaginable. What are we supposed to do? Number one, what? Expect the uncommon. Now that's not natural, is it? Natural way of living expects the common, expects what you saw yesterday and the day before that and the month before that and the 10 years before that. We get into such a rut sometimes in life that we fail to expect to see anything different than what we've already seen. But the spirit of God is telling us, Hey, wake up, wake up and expect not what you've seen before, but the uncommon. Somebody say uncommon. Uncommon is, is something different than what you've experienced, even something different than what everybody else around you is experiencing. And he's telling you, expect it. That's faith. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what faith does. It has an expectation and the expectation is to see God do something that perhaps you've never seen and nobody else has either. We are expecting the uncommon. We are committing this year to embrace the unfamiliar. We have a tendency to embrace things that are familiar to us. They're comfortable to us. And the spirit of God is quickening this on the inside saying, when you see something uncommon, you see, you encounter something unfamiliar when you recognize him in it, embrace it. I I always want to do this, this action here, this, this, this hug, you know what I mean? That's how we embrace. What is that? It's a reaching out and it's a pulling it in to yourself. This is also what faith does. Faith is the hand that reaches out and grabs what grace is giving. Faith is the hand that takes what grace gives. And the Spirit of God again is saying to us, embrace it. Don't, don't push back, embrace. And if we'll expect the uncommon, if we'll embrace the unfamiliar, what's his promise to us this year? We're going to encounter some things, maybe some things we've never even thought or imagined before. We've got scripture for that, don't we? Didn't he tell us he could do above all that we ask, think, or imagine? I'm ready for some of that in 2024. Some things beyond our imagination. Praise the Lord. Now, once again, we have to have scripture to build all of this on. It's not enough just to have words. It's not enough just to have ideas and concepts. You need foundation, and that's what the word of God is. So Isaiah chapter 43, this is our foundation for this the foundation for our expectation. Isaiah 43, 18, the spirit of God is speaking through this prophet. And he said, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? And this is what the new thing looks like. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's what the new thing that he's doing in our lives, in our church, in your house. That's what it looks like in 2024. A road in the wilderness. Just a moment ago, we prayed and this is a prayer I've prayed for years, but as I was praying it just, just now, just whatever that was, uh, four minutes and 43 seconds ago, man, it hit me in a new way. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. I call them by their name, and he said, I lead them out. And I've prayed this for years. I've said, Jesus, you're my good shepherd. You call me by my name. I know your voice, and you lead me out. You lead me out of, what are, what are, of out of whatever I'm in. You lead me out of it and into what you've called me to. Whatever I'm in that I need out of. Jesus is my good shepherd. Whatever you're in this morning that you would really like some help out of whatever, whatever hole you, the you've helped me Lord. Whatever hole you have either fallen in or dug yourself. (laughs) Jesus is faithful. He's merciful to lead us out. Well, that's what this scripture says here in Isaiah 43, that the new thing God is doing is a road in the wilderness. Wilderness all through scripture represents wandering, represents a lack of direction. The literal definition of the word is a pathless area. That's why it's possible to live in a wilderness and just go in circles one right after the other. And you think, haven't I seen this before? Haven't we been here before? And you know what the answer is? Yeah, over and over and over. That's wilderness living. And that was never the will and the plan of God for his people. We'll, we'll touch on some of this today, but God brought his people out of Egypt and his plan from day one of delivering them was the promised land. The wilderness was just something between here and there. It was never his intent for them to make that their home. Check this out. For 40 years, 40 years they hung out there. And if they had just kept moving, There's, there's a lot of things and we'll touch on some of it today. There are things that kept them there and it was not the will of God. Wilderness living is not the will of God for your life. Wilderness, wilderness living is not the plan of God for my life. We were not created to live aimless, directionless. And he said, Hey, I'm doing a new thing. And this new thing is a road out. It is a way out of the wilderness. So say it. Jesus, Jesus. is my good, my good shepherd. I know his voice. He calls me by my name and he leads me out leads me out. Out, of out of whatever I'm in that I need out of Jesus leads me. Jesus leads me. He's, my way out. He's my way out. Can you see the, the Lord is saying, I'm going to do something new for you and here's how you'll know it's me. It looks like a road. It looks like a road where there wasn't one before, where you've been wandering, where you've been aimless, where you've been directionless. I'm putting a road there and this is your way out. Praise God. The good news translation of this scripture reads this way The Lord says, Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Why would He have to say that to us? Because our nature is to look back when things have occurred in our lives. Traumatic things, dramatic things, things that left a big impression on us. Our tendency is to look back. Our tendency is to hold on to those things. Our tendency is to say, I am today because of that. What I am, how I am, how I think is because of that thing that happened long ago. What they did to me, what they said to me, how they mistreated me. And I'm not trying to belittle what happened long ago because these things are, re- these things are real and they can have significant impact on our life if you let them. And the Lord is saying here, look, look, I want to do this new thing, but your part in cooperating is you're going to have to forget. Don't cling to the events of the past. One translation, what do he say? Don't remember the former things. Don't consider. This word consider has a literal meaning of staring at, of being so laser focused on it that it's all you can see. And he's saying, if you want to see the new thing, you're going to have to quit looking at the old thing. Thank you, Lord. Don't dwell on what happened long ago, but instead, what does he say? Good news translation, watch. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. As a matter of fact, it's happening already you can see it now. I'll make a road through the wilderness. I'll give you streams of water there. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it's happening. Anybody else seeing any new things yet? I mean, what are we about three weeks into this new year? I'm I'm, I'm asking, is anybody seeing anything new yet? I'm seeing some new things. I really am. I was in Texas last week. Ministering at a conference, it was a ministers' conference. There's about 14 or 15 different ministers there. And uh actually many of the ministers that are there are my elders. Men and women that I grew up under, my own family, and many others that I've listened to preach since I was a little kid. And to be honest with you, I'm I'm what am I, 44, be 45 this year. I'm kind of the kid in the group still. A lot of them are, are uh, of a, uh, an older generation than me. So it can be uh, it can be an interesting thing for me. I've been preaching at this conference for, what is it, Sarah? Probably close to 13, 14 years now. And going back that many years ago, it was definitely something different for me going into that. Because I mean, the first two rows are men and women. You've just admired your whole life. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say there's this feeling of don't mess up. (laughs) Get it right, boy. You know what I mean? Not coming from them. It's pressure on myself and thank God I've learned to relax a little bit going into it, but still there is this underlying thing year after year. It's always, uh, in January about that third week of January and, uh, it's the same time every year and the same process going into it every year. My, my thoughts is always like, Lord, let me preach something that I've got. You know what I mean? Something that's just, I, I know this thing, I could preach it in my sleep. And it seems like more than once, more than twice, maybe more than 10 times now, he said, no, say this. And I think I've never said that before. I didn't even know that till you said that just now. Are you sure we can't preach this other thing that, you know, that we've got down good. You understand what I'm saying? And this year was, was much the same way. He gave me something new. And I thought, is this the time for something new? And then I realized, yeah, he's already said it. It's something new. He gave me a message, check this out, called Killing the Spirit of Competition never preached that before in my life. Somebody say a new thing. It was a new thing to me. And I thought, all right, Lord, well, let's go with it. Man, I believe he helped me. He helped us all. And I think the thing that ministered to me the most was on the last day of the conference, Dr. Jerry Savell gets up to preach. Some of you may be familiar with him. This is somebody I have known and been listening to literally, quite literally my entire life. And now he's well into his what, 55th year of ministry, I think. And he stands up in front of that crowd and says, open your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things. God's doing a new thing. And I thought, that's yeah, but you, and that's yeah. If you're not, if you're not in ministry, it's hard to articulate how exciting that can be. We're hearing from God. awesome. So, somebody said, He's doing a new thing in me. Thank you, Lord. What does new mean? New means fresh, it means unused, it means original. New means something that's never existed before, something that's just beginning, better than what went before, unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of. And when Brother Jerry was preaching, he's going over all that. God's doing something uncommon this year. And I thought, yeah, (laughs) yes, he is. Praise the Lord. Now here's what we're beginning to see. And what's becoming more and more clear to me as we go on that every time God does something new in the earth, two groups form. Now it should not come to us as a surprise to hear that God is doing something new. He's always doing something new. He's always up to something new. That creative power never stops. Back on day one, when he said light be, that wasn't the last time he did something new. Our universe is still expanding under the power of those words. He's always creating. That's Genesis one. You fast forward to the book of revelation. That's like the end, right? And he said, behold, I make all things. He's still doing new things. From beginning to end, he's always doing something new. So when you go back through scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it's not hard to find God's doing a new thing here. God's doing a new thing here. He's doing a new thing in this one. He's doing a new thing through that one. But every time he does a new thing, two groups form. You see it in scripture and you see it in our world today. There are those who fight it. There are those who don't like it. There are those who are uncomfortable with it. This is the group that resists. This is the word I want to use today. There is a resistance to the new thing. Why do they resist? Because it's a new thing. And we know that you can see it all the way through scripture. We saw it so clearly, especially in the life and the ministry of Jesus and never, Was God doing a newer thing than when the word became flesh and dwelt among us? This is a new thing. And when Jesus came preaching, he came full of the Holy Spirit and power. He came preaching and teaching and healing. There was this whole group that said, nope, 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 no, 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 no. And they started resisting it. Why? This is new. This is new and it doesn't look like the old thing. It looks like a new thing and we don't like it. We don't like it, I tell you. He's healing on Saturdays. (laughs) You think I'm kidding? Their big beef with Jesus was he healed on the Sabbath. And there there were even those that said, there are six days in the week that men can come to be healed, not on the Sabbath. It just makes you want to go, really? Are you having miracles on a Tuesday is and, and it's just because it's a Saturday. Is that really what's bugging you here? They're so resistant to it. As a matter of fact, they were so resistant to it that on one of these particular Saturdays where Jesus did a miracle, these guys got so fed up with it. The Bible says they went from there and began right then plotting how they would kill him. That's resistance. That is some serious resistance to this new thing that God is doing. So this group always forms and it wasn't just then it's now. This group always forms. And the thing that we have, that we have now that they didn't have then was the internet. This group forms and they find each other online and it becomes this big group of resistant people, resistant to the thing. It's new. It doesn't look like what happened before. This group always forms. But right on the other hand, there's another group that forms. And this is the way the Lord put it to me. There are those who recognize the new thing is of God, that it's from God. So when they recognize God in it, they believe it. They receive it. They cooperate with it. They participate in it. That's very different from the other group. So you've got the resistance group who want nothing to do with it. Why? Because it's new. But then you've got this other group who see God in it, who recognize this isn't just a new thing. This is something God himself is doing. I see all the earmarks of God in it. I recognize this is of God, from God. He's in it. And so they believe it. And when they believe it, they receive it. We might say they embrace it. There you go. Can we just all do this together? I just, (laughs) something kind of warm and fuzzy about it. They embrace it, they cooperate with it and they participate in it. So they're not watching from the outside looking in. They're saying, God's in this thing. And if he's in this thing, I'm all in in this thing. So you've got the resistance group, but this group over here is the yielded group. These are the two words I want us to look at today, to resist or to yield. And here's what I can sense the Lord is saying to us week after week. Make sure you don't miss the new thing. Make sure it doesn't pass you by. I'm more determined now, church, than I think I ever have been in my life. I am not going to be on the outside looking in on a move of God. I'm going to be in the middle of it. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to participate in it. I'm going to cooperate with it. But you cannot participate in something that you're resisting. If you're constantly fighting against it, then you're not in the middle of it. You're on the outside of it. So the Lord's telling us here, if you want to be a part of this, you're going to have to yield yield. So let's talk about these two words just for a few minutes this morning. We know that the new thing God's doing in 2024 and beyond, we know from what he's already said to us over the last couple of weeks, that it has to do with a move of the Holy Spirit. And it's a move like none of us have ever seen before. See in the beginning of this year and I would, maybe I should say the last few days of last year coming into it, I felt like I could only see about this far into it. I know the Lord's saying, I want to do a new thing and I'm thinking, well, okay, Lord, well, we're in, if you're in it, we're in, what is it? And what has begun to unfold in front of us is the Lord saying, it's a move of my spirit it's a move of my Holy Spirit. Like you've never seen, like you've never experienced. And it's going to be in addition to and built upon the foundation that he's already been laying in your life, that he's already been laying in this church. We know that the new thing is a move of the Holy Spirit, unlike anything we've seen before. But here is where we may have to do some changing in the way we think, some renewing of our mind. Don't limit your imagination. Don't limit your understanding or your comprehension of a move of the Spirit of God. Don't limit it to something that happens between 10 and noon on a Sunday morning at the church you go to. Many people think of it just that way. There's a move of God happening at that church. That's great. And to that I say, bring it on Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm hungry and ready to see the spirit of God move in the context of our services, perhaps in ways we've never seen it before. Would you embrace that? I would embrace it. Would you embrace it if the presence of God was so thick and so heavy in this place that for for an hour, we just all laid on our faces silent before him? Would you embrace that or would you think, what has happened to this place? I'm out of here. Resist or yield? Will you resist it or will you yield to it? I I am hungry and ready and expecting a move of the Spirit of God in the church. Yes, Lord Jesus. But did you know you can have a move of the Holy Spirit in your living room? You can have a move of the Holy Ghost in your car on the way to work. You can have a move of the Holy Spirit at your school. I got any Karis students in here this morning? How about a move of God sweep across that campus? How about one day they just say the whole class schedule is out of here. We're doing nothing but worshiping. We're doing nothing but, but sit before him in his presence. We're doing nothing but listening to him today. A move of God at school, a move of God at home, a move of God and the Holy Ghost at work. I bet every one of you can think of some co-workers right now. They need a move with the Holy Ghost. Well, if you've got strife in your house and it seems like there's been constant bickering and fighting and agitation with each other, you know what you need? A move. A move of the Holy Spirit like you've never had before. That'd be new, wouldn't it? That would be new. Are you willing to let him do something new in the living room? I hope you do because then, when that's happening in your life and yours and yours and yours and yours and mine, and then we all get together and hear, then we get to experience collectively what God's been doing individually in our lives all week long. That's the way this is supposed to be, amen? Thank you, Lord. So don't limit your understanding of what a move of the Holy Spirit means. Here's what you need to establish, though wherever He's moving, however He's moving. I'm not resisting it. I'm yielding to it. I'm not going to resist it. I'm going to yield to it. Thank you, Lord. I got several scriptures for you today. So let's just put them on the screen. James chapter four, verse six. You've heard this one before. He said, God gives more grace, more grace. That's the best news you've heard all day. He gives more grace. That tells me that you and I have not experienced all the grace of God that there is to experience. How do I know that? Because he gives more. However much grace you've experienced in your life, the good news is there's more. And then when you experience a little more of it, be encouraged knowing this, there's more, there's more, there's more grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, or in light of this, submit to God. You know what another word for submit is? Yield. Yield. Yield to God. Resist the devil. Yield to God. Resist the devil. Are you getting this, boys and girls? Yield to God. Resist the devil. Man, this sounds so simple, doesn't it? Do you know how many people are living like this? And they are yielding to what they should be resisting and they're resisting what they should be yielding to. I mean, you cannot make it more plain than this. Yield to God. Resist the devil. One of the greatest things you and I are ever going to find out in this life is what we're supposed to be yielded to and what we're supposed to be resisting. There are things that believers all over the world are putting up with in their life on a daily basis because they've convinced themselves this is somehow God's mysterious plan and will for my life. When really, they should be fighting it. They should be resisting it with every ounce of faith they've got. I worked with somebody years ago, and uh, she was a good friend of ours. and And she actually met a guy. She was single at the time, but she met a guy, and they got engaged, and they were headed towards marriage. But this guy happened to have a pretty serious illness in his body. He had Crohn's disease, and it was having a huge impact on his life, as you can imagine if you know anything about that disease it's it's mean as all sickness is now she met him she was of course part of the church we were a part of and the ministry that we were a part of and and was used to hearing some of the same things I'm telling you now he knew the lord loved the lord but kind of grew up in an, in another group you might say and she worked so hard to encourage him in believing god for his healing but when their relationship finally ended. And they decided to go their separate ways before getting married. It all happened here when out of frustration one day, he said to her, I'm not gonna give the devil credit for something God's doing in my life. Speaking of this disease, see, she'd be encouraging him, trying to stand with him. Let's believe God. Let's fight this. Let's resist this. You can be healed. And he actually came at it from the other perspective and said, I'm not going to resist this cuz it's from God. There's some confusion in the body of Christ. People yielding to what they should be resisting. And people resisting resisting God when they should be totally submitted, totally yielded. You know what these words mean? To submit, to yield meditating on this yesterday, my son and I, Justice, he and I were sitting on the couch, just enjoying a football game together and okay. All right. Some, somebody's here. Thank you Lord. All right. Uh, and I'm looking at some of this, meditating on some of this at the same time. And I'm very thankful to tell you, I, I mentioned this a minute ago. I'm in my mid forties. My son's 13. I can still take him. I can still take you buddy and every once in a while, I like to prove it. We get on the floor and we wrestle around and we've done this from the time he was a little guy when he was really little and he would just try to flail his arms I me. He could not figure out how I could block every shot and I didn't have the heart to tell him. The answer is you're five, dude. It's not hard. Now he's 13. And I'm just wondering how much longer I'll be able to take him. But as of today, as of right now, now he's probably hearing this and thinking, we'll we'll put this to the test later this afternoon. But you dads know this. You start wrestling in the floor with your kids. You know how to get them in a hold, right? You know how to get them all tied up where they might give you that tap. You know what the tap means, don't you? It means I'm done, right? It means... I submit, right? I surrender. Thank you. That's a good word for it. I use this as an example. I don't dare use UFC as an example. Folks, I've tried. I've tried to be a manly man and watch that stuff and I just feel like I'm getting hit the whole time. But you know, some of you guys who watch this, it's possible for one dude to get another guy in a hold where he can do nothing about it. And when you see that little tap, what's that mean? It means the fight, listen, is over. It means I'm not fighting you anymore. It means I'm done resisting. And sometimes you'll even hear it when, when a fighter's got somebody in a hole to got them pinned. You might, they might even say, do you yield? Do you yield? That's what submission is. That's what yielding is. It's you and I saying I'm done fighting. I'm done resisting. Does that make sense to you? So that's why he says this here. You can have all the grace you want in 2024. You and I can have all the grace of God that we can handle all the grace of God that we could want. But the degree of grace that you operate in this year is directly proportionate to the degree of humility that you operate in this year. You can have as much grace as you are willing to submit. Pausing here to let that sink in. You can have as much grace as you want, but it's directly proportionate to how willing you are to submit. He said, The humble get the grace. The people who tell God, I'm done fighting you. I'm done resisting your call. I'm done resisting the move of your Holy Spirit in my heart, in my house, in my life. I'm done fighting. And he says, Here's your grace. Here's all the grace you can handle. And when you use all that up, come back because I've got more. Anybody wants some more grace in 2024? Well, here's how we get it. Stop fighting. Stop resisting. This word submit is in connection here with humility. So the question is, will you submit or will you resist? Will you yield or will you keep fighting? Go with me, please, to the book of Acts chapter seven. Acts chapter seven is a very powerful chapter. Everything going on in the book of Acts is new. If you really want to do a case study in God doing a new thing, read the book of Acts it's all new. Starting in chapter one, when Jesus told them, we've referred to this in weeks past, go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift. And they went to that upper room and did that gift come? Oh, it came. It came in power and it sounded like a rushing mighty wind that came from heaven. And they all looked at each other and said, well, this is new. Never heard this before. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. This is new. <laughs> never done this. Never experienced this. And it appeared to them as divided tongues of fire sat on each one of them. This is new. It's like Peter, you got a fire on your head, bro. <laughs> He's like, John, you got one too, man. The book of acts is an, an encounter with the unimaginable. And we've studied the message that Peter preached as they all came stumbling drunk out of that upper room. And he preached and said, this is the new thing. He said, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied and God's doing this new thing. Well, you get to Acts chapter seven and there's a man in the church named Stephen. Now here's what I love about Stephen and we'll read this here in just a moment. But all we really know about him is he's a man full of the Holy ghost. Now, the cool thing about Stephen is he's not one of the apostles. He's not one of the 12. He's not one of the disciples. He's actually in the ministry of helps. He's actually one they brought in. The apostles brought him and others in to help serve people so that they could attend to the word and to the preaching of the word. Stephen's one of those guys. Can you serve full of the Holy Ghost? We prefer that you did. Here's a man serving people, serving tables, waiting on people full of the Holy Spirit and power. Thank God. And it was under the Holy Spirit that he began to open his mouth and he did begin to preach. And it's a long message and you know much of what he talked about going all the way back to Abraham, but it gets down to about the 51st chapter of this uh, verse of this chapter in Acts chapter seven. And Stephen's preaching to these religious people and he had some pretty direct things to say to them. Acts 7 51, put that up there for us, please. Talking to the religious people, he said, you stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always do what? Resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. And what did he call them? Stiff necked. The New Living Translation, he said, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did. And so do you. He's talking about that group, the group that always forms when God does a new thing. When the move of the Holy Spirit is on in a way like nobody's ever seen it before, rest assured this group will form. The resistors, the ones who are uncomfortable with this, this is too new. This doesn't look like what we used to do. Church has changed and we don't like it. And so they start resisting it. And what does he tell them? He said, you are stiff necked. And you look this word up. It's a Greek word about four inches long. That's why I'm not trying to pronounce it for you, but it literally means stubborn. Actually, it means two things and these two things from what i can tell are the two things that will keep us from participating in the move of god stubbornness and the other word this word means is haughty prideful stubborn and arrogant stubborn and prideful these two character traits will keep us on the outside of the move of the Holy Spirit, just the way that it kept these religious people on the outside. He said, you are stiff necked. You are stubborn. You are prideful. You are arrogant and haughty. And because of that, you are resisting, not yielding to resisting the Holy Spirit. Stiff necked You see this in scripture, don't you? Anybody ever had one of those? You woke up in the morning and you just, the second you got out of bed, you, it's almost like you heard a little, and you thought, oh, what was that? And the whole rest of this day, you can't turn. Somebody from over here calls you, instead of doing this, you have to physically turn the whole body. Why? Stiff. Yeah. Stiff. What does that mean when it's stiff? It means it won't move, won't turn, won't adjust. And this is the way he described in the scripture throughout scripture describes these kind of people who are resistant to the move of the Holy Spirit. They refuse to adjust. They refuse to move with the spirit. There's a resistance to it and it comes from stubbornness stubbornness. Somebody say stubbornness. stubbornness. Uh, you might want to tuck your feet inside under your chair because toes might get stepped on here in just a second. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands. Anybody ever been stubborn? I <laughs> said, Okay, you want to put your hand up anyway? Stubborn. I don't ask because we all have been, but have you noticed how When people are being stubborn, it's almost like they wear it like a badge of pride. You can see the connection between stubbornness and pride. Well, I know I can be stubborn sometimes, but that's just who I am. That's just the house I was raised in. I understand I can be a little stubborn at times, but you know, I'm Irish. (laughs) Or whatever. Has anybody ever attributed something to their to their culture. I'm very, very kind and patient. That's because I no, it's always, well, you know, I am German or I am from some African country, South American. Every time it's always, we attribute it back to the house, to the culture. Well, I know it can be stubborn sometimes, but that's just because, you know, you got flesh. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, we all can be. Everybody can be stubborn. But the thing is, it's not something to be proud of. And just because you are or have been that way doesn't mean you're supposed to be. Well, this is my house and that's the way we just talk to each other. I grew up in an Italian house and we were loud and stubborn. Okay, maybe you're Italian, maybe you're Irish, maybe you're whatever, but let me tell you what else you are. Born again, full of the Holy Ghost, child of God. And just because you were away doesn't mean you're supposed to be away that way today. Stubborn. Do you realize this is the word they use to describe donkeys? (laughs) Is that what you identify with? Is that what you want to identify with? Stubborn as a mule. This is what they say. Stubborn as a mule. You want to know why and where that expression came from? It literally came from farmers and ranchers who had pack mules and the mule would just decide, I'm not moving. I'm not going any further. And these farmers would literally stick them, poke them, whip them, kick them, and that mule wouldn't move. And that's where the expression stubborn as a mule came from. Is that what you want to identify with? What if I gave you the other name for donkeys? Is that what you want to identify with? No. Somebody say no. An unwillingness to move, a resistance to moving, flowing with the spirit of God. That's not you, right? That's not us. That's not me. Somebody say, that ain't me. No. But what causes somebody to be that way? What causes somebody to resist? There's stubbornness. There's pride. And when Stephen said this, let me give it to you from the contemporary English version. He said, you stubborn and hard headed people. Well, I know I can be stubborn. I know I can be hard headed. (laughs) Okay, we'll quit. (laughs) We need to quit. We need to not be that. He said, you stubborn and hard headed people. You're always fighting against the Holy Spirit, just like your ancestors did. And man, you see this when he said this to them, look at it again in Acts chapter seven. I want you to see their response. He said that in verse 51 down in verse 54. Look at how they responded. When they heard these things, the Bible says, they were cut to the heart. It touched them on the inside. Now you see that same expression back in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost when Peter came out and preached and he preached some bold stuff. He told that big crowd of people, y'all are the one that crucified him. That took some boldness because if they're the ones that crucified him, guess what else they could do? Guess who else they could crucify? But he took some boldness. He's full of the Holy Ghost preaching it. And the Bible says the same thing. They heard it and they were cut to the heart, but they said, what do we do? Men and brethren, what do we do? That was their question. And Peter said, y'all need Jesus. He said, believe on him and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. Now, Stephen's preaching this under that same anointing with that same unction of the Holy Ghost. They heard it. They were cut to the heart. But look, they gnashed at their teeth. It touched their heart the same way, but instead of yielding to it, they resisted it, gnashed at their teeth. But he, verse 55, being full, of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. This would have been a great opportunity to yield. God, are you doing this? If you're doing this, I yield. But this takes humility, doesn't it? This takes maybe saying, I might've been wrong. I might have been wrong in the way I've been doing this my entire life. But if this is you, I yield. When the heart's touched, you have an option, you have a choice, resist or yield. But instead of yielding, look what they did. Verse 57. Acts 7:57. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and they stoned him. That's resistance. To the move of the spirit. But notice what they did. They start screaming, and they stop their ears. Does this remind you of any two-year-olds you know? <laughs> ah, la 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 ah, ah, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Ah la 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 la! No 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 no! I don't hear this. I do not hear this. Resistance. Yes. I'm not listening. No no. a conversation with somebody the other day. They were talking about some relatives of theirs who have lots of opportunity to go to church and be in church. And, and they were saying, they just won't take the opportunity. And man, this just came up out of my spirit. And I said, you know, oftentimes people won't go into an environment where they think they might hear something that convicts them it's just easier for them not to go. You know what that's like? ah, I can't hear. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. It's childish. It's resistance to the move of the Holy Spirit. Can you see what happened this day? Instead of yielding, to this mighty move of God where 3,000 people just got added in one day, and a few days later, another 2,000 were added. Who knows, by the time that that this takes place, there could be 10,000 people in the church or more, and instead of just saying, okay, you know what? God, are you in this? Because if you are, I yield. I'm done fighting. No, it doesn't look like what what we've been doing. No, it doesn't look like what I thought it would or should, but are you in it? If so, I tap. I yield. I'm done fighting you. But pride, pride hangs on and swears to its own hurt. I'm not yielding to this. No matter what it looks like, even if I can see God's in it, I'm not yielding, And that's a dangerous place to be. Yes. Actually, Proverbs 29, put that up there for us. Proverbs 29, verse 1. The Bible says, he who is often, rebu- uh, is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed. Now notice these words without remedy. This is way more serious than just, well, you know, it's kind of part of my, my personality. I'm a type one personality. I'm a, I'm I'm a real alpha personality. Yeah, but are you born again? Do you have a new nature on the inside? Even if you grew up in an environment, men, let me talk to you. Even if you grew up in an environment and your dad was hard and your granddad was hard and daddy's 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 daddy was just a hard man and and stubborn and can you be different? We can be. Could he put a tender heart on the inside of you? Yeah, ladies, same thing's true. Can he put a tenderness on the inside of you that where all of us are like James chapter three says, willing to yield? you see how dangerous it is. It could be destruction. Let me give you one more example of this and we'll wrap this up. It's right here in the book of Acts. Actually, it's right here in this same chapter. After they stoned Stephen, you read in the area around this, it said, they laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. And we know who Saul is or was and who he became. But in chapter 8 of of the book of Acts, verse 1, it says, Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Judea, Samaria, uh, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. One of the most dangerous things about being in the resistant group is that nobody in that group thinks they're resisting God. Actually, everybody in that group thinks they're doing God a favor. If you were to ask these religious people who stoned Stephen, who fought Jesus, they would have told you they were on God's side. What about Saul? He's wreaking havoc through the church. He's actually gone to get letters that give him the legal right to go into people's homes, people who he finds who are believers in Jesus to take them, imprison them. He's passionate about it. He himself said it later on concerning zeal. I persecuted the church concerning passion, concerning fervor, concerning this deep rooted conviction. I persecuted the church. He's resisting the move of God, thinking he's with God. That's a dangerous place to be, which is why when you get to Acts chapter nine, Verse one, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus and suddenly, anybody remember this? Suddenly a light shone round him from heaven He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? No, me. Jesus took this personally. He's saying you're resisting, not them, me. And he said, who are you Lord? At least he got that part right. (laughs) Then the Lord said, I am Jesus." who you are persecuting, or for our sake, I'm Jesus who you're resisting. Now notice this, it's hard for you to kick against the goad, which I always thought was kind of a funny thing for the Lord to say as he introduces himself to this man, I'm Jesus. And by the way, it's hard for you to kick against the goad. King James says to kick against the pricks. What in the world does that mean? Well, you know what a goad is? It's a stick that farmers would use on a mule, on cattle. Try to get them to move. Go, move, move. And they didn't like it. Some cattle would actually kick against it. But what they found out when they kicked against it is it hurt more than than it did before when he was just poking them with it. And Jesus said to him, this hurts, doesn't it? Actually, it was a phrase that was taken from Greek and Roman culture. Something that Paul would have known and heard. It was an expression they would use. It's hard to kick against the pricks. It was an expression that meant resistance is futile. It was an expression that meant ruinous resistance. In other words, you keep fighting this and it's going to ruin you. You keep fighting this, not only are you not going to win, but you're going to lose and you're going to be destroyed without remedy. Quit fighting what you should be yielding to. Quit resisting what you should be submitted to. Amen. I'm determined folks. Anybody else with me? We're going to be a part of this. However, the spirit of God moves in this church in your homes throughout this nation and around this world, legacy is going to be right in the middle of it, but we are not going to participate in it. If we are resistant to it, what are we going to have to do? Come on. I've been telling you all morning. What do you got to do? yield, yield, to the move of the Holy Ghost. How do you yield? You spend more time, just like we talked about last week, time praying in the spirit, time in the presence of God, time. And this is how you do it. You give time, you give time. I could be doing this with my time, but I'm going to yield it. Anybody ever watch those fights that take place in Congress sometimes? And when one person gets done yelling at the other person, they say, I yield my time. You ever heard him say that before? In other words, I've got 30 seconds left, but I'll go ahead and give that back to you. Oh, thank you. Are you willing to yield some time? I yield my time. I yield my heart. I yield my words. I yield. Somebody say I yield. I want you to get that picture in your mind this week. That, that fighter who's been resisting and arms flailing and trying to fight back until finally he's just worn out. He's tired and he just, just a little tap right there on the arm. What's that mean? I'm done fighting. I'm done resisting. I yield. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text Legacy and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you and remember... You are always welcome here in the House of Faith.